Hey folks, it's Harold. And this is Shannon. This episode was recorded on September 14th and September 15th, 2021. And as you're going to hear, a lot changed between those two days. It was still important to us that you hear the voices of people who were affected by the Nabisco strike. So we wanted to give you this episode, no matter what happens with the Nabisco strike, before the time it's posted. So with that, hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 23 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network with over 130 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we always want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guest unions, or their employers, not even the Oreo cookie. Not even the Oreo cookie? Shannon... How many Oreos have you been eating over the past month? (laughs) None. Absolutely zero. And the reason that I'm not buying those cookies is because the brothers and sisters of our Baker's Union, the BCTGM, are on strike fighting to keep their jobs. And when I say keep their jobs, I mean literally keep their jobs. Nabisco is trying to break the union and break those employees because remember all, the employees make the union. They're trying to break those employees and ship those jobs down to Mexico. And the last time I saw, we needed good jobs with living wages and benefits because that is what these jobs are providing these people. And that is what they are fighting for. So you know what? Until the company does right by the workers, by our community members, by our brothers and sisters and siblings, they can take those Oreo cookies and shove them up their Yeah, it's been kind of hard to forego some of our favorite snacks while Nabisco workers are on strike, no matter where you shove them. But not nearly as hard as it is to be on strike. And we've got a couple of people who have been on strike with us. We want to thank Mike Burlingham for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Thanks for having me here. And we've also got Jesus Martinez. Thank you so much for being here, Jesus. Thank you. My pleasure. You both work at the plant down in Portland, right? That's correct. Yes. What do you two do at the plant? I'm a 14-year worker. I've worked as a packing technician. I've worked in environmental health. And my current position that I've been in for the last three years has been in pest control. I've worked at the Mondelez Nabisco plant for 10 years. I work in the packing department. And usually, I work the rotary. That's where we make the Oreo sandwich. And I also work the icing kitchen. That's where we make the vanilla that goes inside the Oreos the middle, the filler. You guys are using some terminology that the listeners might not be too familiar with. 
when you say you work in packing, what, what does that mean? Are you making cookies? Are you putting them in packages? How does that work? Yeah, Oreo, it's called the Rotary Sandwich Maker, the RSM. That's where we receive all the cookies coming down from Bake Shop. They go down into a system called the Riley where we put them in through the machines and all automatic, lays it on, goes through the filler system, and then it just puts the bottoms, filler at top, and then it goes straight to the cooling tunnel, makes the filler hard so they could go through a loader machine and pack it in the trays, which then it's packed through the plastic has been wrapped in and then the box and straight to DC. Right. It's an automated system in our packing department where cookies or crackers coming from our bake shop go on a conveyor system and through machinery that uh, wraps it, bags it, places it into a box, which then places it into a bundle that is sent out to our distribution centers. It's a pretty long process for Oreo. I think it's one of the most complicated ones there at the plant. So you two are talking about all these machines and automation. That means you don't really have to work that hard, right? That's not the case. <laughs> no, not the case. I cannot <laughs> believe you said that, Harold. Shame on you. <laughs> Brothers, let them have it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're talking about machines that could be very, very old. Uh, even the new equipment that comes in. Nothing runs perfect. There's no robots here. These are machines and as automated as they are, they're going to fail, especially with how long that we run. We have very little downtime when we're running production every other weekend. And in some cases, depending on Mondelez's demand, uh, they're running every single weekend. So, you know, you're going to get to a point where the machines are going to fail and you, you got good days, you got bad days. Um, on the bad days, you're sweating, you're not sitting down, you're counting the minutes to your break, just so you, you can rest for a moment. So it's, it's very labor intensive work sometimes. So you've been on strike for 35 days. Mike just pointed out some of the conditions that you have to work in. Can you give people an idea of what it's like in that plant? Because like you say, you're not just kicking back, letting the machines do all the work. Well, it's different departments. We all have different work, but I think one of the hardest ones is our brothers and sisters that work in bake shop. I mean, during the summer, it could get up to, what is it, maybe 115, 220 degrees in there. And it happened this just before we went on strike. When we had that heat wave, the chillers broke. And management decided they needed all the fans and the AC to work to cool down the computer system so the machines could run. So literally people in bake shop were sweating their asses off and running to um, the break room to get water like every 10, 15 minutes. I mean, the guys were drenched in sweat. The company, all they worried about was their machines um, running. And they thought because they bought us some Gatorade, everything was fine and dandy. Well, I know where they can shove that Gatorade too. (laughs) Yeah, Gatorade fixes everything, right? So when you guys talk about the bake shop, are we just talking about a room full of ovens where people are putting cookies on cookie sheets in there or, or what kind of conditions are these people working in? Yeah. Um, speaking of automation, we have our raw materials that come in from the rails and we have uh, large inventory bins that give these raw materials to our mixing department. The mixing department then trickles down into our bake shop. So they go through a very long uh, conveyor process through an oven, especially the tail end of that 
it is extremely warm conditions down at that end. And like Jesus was talking about, it's very hot during the summer months, even during the winter months, it can be a very hot environment. When I was working in environmental health, I remember it was freezing outside. It was in the thirties and I was cleaning the ceilings and I took a temperature gun and it was 117 degrees at the ceiling. So those are the kind of conditions that you're working in, even when the elements outside are much cooler. But obviously when it's hot outside, it's much more important to keep the computers cool than to keep the humans who are actually making your product cool, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I can say nothing works well when it overheats, though. Human or machine. Yep. So you mentioned that we got that heat spike before you all went on strike. Was that one of the breaking points? How did you come about the decision to actually go on strike? Well, I think this has been building up for the last five years when our, in my words, when the last real contract we had ended. Um, negotiations didn't go that well. The company was going for everything back in 2016. They wanted to cut our health care. They wanted to get rid of our pension, which they did two, three years after that with an impasse. And it, it just, it's kind of been building up for five years where a lot of our high senior workers that were there for 30, 35 years left because they were scared they were going to lose their pension they have worked for for that long. And we had a huge wave of new workers that we had to train. And the company saw that they lost a lot of experience and knowledge when all our high seniors members left. And they still didn't learn their lesson. They thought they were going to get new workers and think they were going to brainwash them and just turn them on, on the union. Well, as soon as they came in, we started educating them, you know, talking to them, talking to everyone. I treat everyone the same, no matter how many years you've been there or not, you're a member to me. You're a brother and sister, no matter what. You're in our union. You're with us till the end. It's like a marriage. And they started realizing what was going on. They disrespect us most of the time. In the last 10 years that I've been there, I think we had five or six plant managers. So leadership has been really inconsistent. And with this new plant manager we got last year, her name, Tanya Peterson, she, as soon as she stepped in the door, she said we were spoiled. We didn't deserve what we're getting paid. And she was going to make big changes. Well, I guess the big change was her. We went on strike when she's there. So you haven't actually had a contract for the past five years? We only got what we call a COVID contract. They came up with a one-year contract last year. I think it ended in um, February 28th, the last day of February. And it was a one-year contract, and they used COVID as an excuse to give us that contract. Yeah, the company loves their COVID. They use that to violate every, everything they could in our contract, seniority, um, every rule they broke. Oh, it's COVID. It's COVID. It's because of COVID. You know, that really pisses me off that the company's trying to use COVID to get around regulations and all of this other stuff. And they have been doing it workplace after workplace after workplace. So please. If you are out there listening to the show, stay strong. If you need help, contact the Labor Council. We will direct you where you need to go because no employer should be using a 100-year pandemic to try to screw workers. To me, in my opinion, that wasn't a real contract, but it went through. Um, members voted on it in the nation, and Portland unanimously voted no on it. And as you can see, Portland has been kind of like the tip of the spear. We voted no on that one. And 
we went out in August 10th, first plant to go out. We were ready. We've always been ready. And we let BCTGM know that we were ready to go. Mike, you've been out on strike for a longer period of time. And so weren't they trying to take away your health benefits because you've been out so long? Yeah, so we walked out on August 10th and the company announced that at the end of August, our insurance was going to be exhausted. So after that, uh, beginning September 1st, we were no longer going to have health insurance with the company. Due to the rescue plan, we were able to get COBRA for one month, which is carrying a lot of us right now but it's not the end of the world. There's a lot of options out there and we're making sure people know about that. Going to healthcare.gov, there's very affordable options that people can get on. And there's a lot of uh, people out there who are also providing funds for us through our GoFundMe account as well. So uh, there's a lot of support that we're getting right now. If this doesn't piss you off, I don't know what's gonna get you because Nabisco, who is making billions off of us eating their food, (laughs) is cutting health care for workers who are trying to fight for a good contract during a pandemic. Unbelievable. They've been trying that for the last five years since that contract ended in 2016. That's the first thing they go after, health insurance. That's the first thing on their list. That and the pension. The pension's gone right now, but they went at it again. They're saying they're retracting on their flyers that they sent out to us in the mail. And and what they have in their proposal, they're saying they're not going to go after it. But how can you trust them? They can say whatever they want, but I don't trust it till I see it in a contract that we're signing that they're not going to touch our health benefits. That's what they're saying right now. But since I've been there, they've always trying to go after our health benefits all the time. It's a nonstop issue. And... When I was hired, the company told me, yeah, we give you this, we give you that. But when I started learning about the union and what they fought for for decades, I realized these guys don't give us anything. We pay for that. Our retirees have paid for it. Our present members are paying for it. I'm paying for it. With wage increases, we gave up to get it. So how the hell are they saying that they're giving it to us? You can't take away something that we're paying for, that we paid for. Just like the pension. My brothers and sisters, the new hires are saying, well, don't worry about the pension, Jesus. It's okay. We got a 401k. I said, let me tell you why it's not okay. If you look at our contract, it says that the company was paying in $6.57 an hour for 40 hours during the week for the pension. That money has been accrued from decades and it's our money. So what the company just did is they stole our money. That's called stealing. And it kind of clicks and they say, you're right. I said, well, it's been paid for just like your health benefits. Why would we as a union want to give up something that we paid for, that we fought for for many years, decades? We can't just give it up because if we give up now, what's next? That's the question. What's next? If we give up anything right now, they'll take away everything next time. Especially if their attitude is that you're spoiled for wanting to be paid or wanting to have health insurance, right? A lot of the people listening to this may have never been on strike. They may not know anyone who's gone on strike. Can you give them an idea of what that's like? What is your daily life like now? Well, it's, it's a very hard decision that we took. I myself, this is my first strike. 
my first union job and in my first strike. But like I said, Portland was ready. And yes, some of us, some of our members have um, family members with medical issues that they have to worry about. Some have financial issues, but we're trying to help each other out any way we can, passing down information, like Mike had mentioned, the GoFundMe page. That's been a huge help and support. And we appreciate that from everyone around the nation. But it's not an easy decision. And it's not, I mean, we got to cut back on everything here with the family. We're cutting back on expenses. We're just getting what we need. You know, the kids went back to school. They only got what they needed, nothing special. Financially with the mortgages, um, I talked to my bank and they were pretty lean on saying, you know, we're going to work with you. And it's just passing information on to everyone and just giving them support. We're also talking to our members and brothers and sisters in Richmond and Chicago. And when they heard about the GoFundMe page, they said, what the hell are we doing? How come we didn't think of that? I said, well, you guys better get on it right away. And I said, people are helping out. You know, it's it, everybody's coming out with bright ideas. So that's what we love. We have local community agencies helping out, passing information with health benefits, with um, assistance with rent, food. I think tomorrow or Thursday, we're going to have... Um, a local agency dropping off food boxes for our members. We're getting gift cards from another union. I mean, it's just a support. It shows you that unions are strong and they support each other. We're a huge family. Not only are the BCTGM, but IBW, the IAU, IMs, the painters are there, the steel workers, the iron workers, teamsters, um, the train conductors. Everyone has stopped by to support us, bringing water, bringing drinks. I and mean, we appreciate all that. It's everybody knows it's hard. Some of those guys have been on strikes and they talk about their experiences. And I told my members here about it. it just, I'm not, I'm not a professional at this, but I just try to keep um, everybody's heads up and, and just boost morale. Even people from Argentina that work for Mondelez, they sent us videos and we know the situation they're in. And they sent us videos saying, you guys are the tip of the spear. We congratulate you. And our people are looking up to you guys. You guys in the U.S., you earn more money than us, but we look up to you guys. You're a movement. You started this movement against this corrupt company. Don't give up. And we won't. We won't give up. Some of the people who are listening might have heard how bad things were before you went on strike. And they may ask, well, why didn't you just quit? Why are you sticking with the company and going on strike as opposed to just finding another job? This has been our home for me, 14 years, Jesus, 10 years. Our longest tenured person has been there for 53 years. We're family and that is our home. We take ownership of what we do and we have on our shirts something that says Nabisco pride. And yes, that's something that the company threw on there, but that, that's a real thing. We take pride and ownership in what we do. This is a job worth fighting for. The people who came before us, they fought to have the good wages. They fought to have the good health care. They fought to have the pension. And for many of us, we're not going to see that pension, unfortunately, due to what the company stripped away from us in 2018 with impasse like Jesus was talking about. We're moving forward. We are fighting to keep the things that we have. We're not coming to the table 
with a list of demands. We're not coming to the table saying we want this, we want that. We're coming to the table saying maintain what we currently have because we have already given up in the past to have these things. So that is why we're not giving up on this fight. If we give up on this fight and what our past members have fought, that means that nobody will put up a fight against a company like this. We take ownership of everything we make there. And if we just decide to just step out and leave, then I'm kind of betraying my my members, my family. If we've been there that long, that means we care about everyone. We care about each other. Yeah, we might have differences, but which family doesn't? And for me to give up, I don't. I, I just hate giving up. It's it's not in me. I would rather throw f bombs and this and that and cuss at everyone, but I'm there. I'm not willing to give up, and I don't think that any of our members that walked out were willing to give up. No matter if they've been there one year or 53 years, they're not willing to give up because they know what our past members have fought for and what we're fighting for. And it means a lot to us. Let's talk about what it's like on the line. You mentioned that you've gotten a lot of community support, but you've also had a lot of pushback as well, right? Yeah, we have. A lot of that pushback came when we were holding a picket down at the railroad and we were holding this on what we were told was city property. And for about a week's time, it impeded the delivery of the raw materials by rail to the Portland Bakery. It took about a week's time for the company to get their surveyors out and to lay their marks down to show that we were in fact on their property, of which we promptly moved away from that the moment that they were able to show that. Uh, Then they decided to lease about a mile's worth of track from the railroad to kick us off of that property as well. You know, it's still a victory for us, even though they were able to push us off that land. That was a win. That was a huge win for us because it's not just about us having to be there to stop all the material. It's the fact that they had to spend a lot of time and resources into doing this. They got all the money in the world that they can throw at this. And that's the funny part about it to me, is they have all this money that they are willing to throw at keeping us out on the street, rather than just putting that towards us. Invest in your workers and we're going to invest back into you. We're going to make a damn good product that you can be proud of. We're going to continue to make those record-breaking profits that you made during the pandemic. We're going to carry that on through. But instead, you want to kick us to the curb. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, so now for a really serious question. I think the cookies that are made in Mexico taste different. I swear to God, they taste different. I don't like them. Is that just me or is that something? You're not the first person that said that. I've heard it from a lot of, or not of other members that have tasted them. A lot of other um, friends that I have too. They're like, how come it tastes different? I said, have no clue, but um, that's what you buy the American made brand and you support our union workers. Pretty much it. I mean, nothing against the workers in Mexico because they're taking advantage of them too, which we don't feel it's right. And like I said, brothers and sisters in Argentina and Venezuela. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't speak Portuguese, but I wish I could talk to my Brazilian brothers and sisters. They need some help too, because I heard from our brothers and sisters in Argentina and Venezuela that 2,000 of them got laid off because they closed the plant. And not only do 
we got threatened in 2016, well, Chicago, when they closed the south part of the plant and they laid off 600 of our members in Chicago because they wanted concessions from us. They wanted us to pay for all their future investments and their new machinery, or if not, they were going to go to Mexico, which if, even if we gave up all that, they would have left and they would have taken our money. How can you trust them? But yeah, we don't buy anything. Not even when I'm in Mexico do I buy Nabisco Mexican products. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't. When I go there and I see my mom buying Nabisco Mexico, I said, mom, what are you doing? You know what they're doing to us now. And she's like, you're right. And I, I just kind of grab them and throw them away. They taste different. Don't eat they them. They taste different. Yeah, they, they're, not, they're not as good. Those people, when they're getting paid, what, like 97 cents an hour? Right. And, and I don't know what the laws are down there in Monterey and Salinas, but I don't think they're as strict as we are here. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. So how can you tell if a Nabisco product is made in Mexico? That's pretty simple. If it's made outside the U.S., when you turn the package over, it uh, is going to say where it's made, whether it's made in Canada or made in Mexico. And they put this in fairly small print, but it's very close to the Mondelez logo. And we will have a link that will show you exactly what to look for, because it is very important that you do not buy made in Mexico Nabisco products. So you folks are on strike. That means that the Portland plant is basically shut down, right? Well... <laughs> they're, they're, they're bringing in workers. They're bussing them in. They're coming in on their vans. Uh, it's easy for us to tell when something's running. We've worked there long enough. We know the sights and smells, even when you're outside the bakery. And while we're out there, you can tell when they're firing up, and then you can tell when they have to shut back down. And we've seen a lot of our feed commodity trailers come in and out of that place. So they're throwing a lot of stuff away. It that's ain't what, so easy, is it? Uh-uh-uh. That's what happens when you don't have a skilled union workforce doing the job. Well, our plant manager once said that she can just go down to McDonald's and get the, the workers that she needs. So, you know, that seems to be working out well for her so far. <laughs> Not <clears throat> so much. Well, Mike, Jesus, our time's coming to an end, but what can our listeners do to support not just you with BCTGM in Portland, but BCTGM nationwide in this fight against Nabisco? Well, I think what really hurts these companies are you hit them in their pockets, money. It's always about the money. And the best way to do it to hurt them is um, people are not buying their products. As you can see in some of the shelves of the stores, they're either running out or now people are just saying, leave the shelf. So we're not even touching that product. And that's a huge support because when it hurts their pockets, the CEO starts hurting. He's not going to get his big bonus this year. And I know that our plant manager is not getting her big bonus because as you can see, the McDonald's workers are not working out and they're not making anything. She's paying them to just throw product away instead of just paying us. And we'll be mass producing right now for them the right way, the efficient way with the real Nabisco pride inside. But I guess they're making the wrong decisions and it looks like they're paying for it. And I'm glad. And not until we go back again and they give us a fair and decent contract. I think until that day, people should boycott them because they're disrespecting our American middle class workers. 
And they start hitting us. Who's next? That's the big question. Who's next? So that's why, like I said, this is a fight that we're not willing to lose. Yeah, I just want to add that what people are doing right now, people who are listening, educating themselves on what's going on and having that conversation with your friends and family, getting the word out that word of mouth has been one of the best things that has happened with us. People are taken to social media. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on TikTok. And people are talking about it. And it's been fairly entertaining how creative some people are, are getting on there. You know, it's great for us to watch, but not just for the entertainment value. It's getting views. It's getting the clicks. And the word is getting out there. And people are upset. Like Heisu said, who's going to be next? This could be happening to you next. Or, you know, people are seeing this movement and they've been wanting to organize, but they didn't quite know how, or they, they didn't know if they would have the support. So, you know, is, uh, has been big on, on a national scale, like we've talked about already. People are paying attention to this strike. Well, we are going to keep paying attention. So Jesus Martinez, Mike Burlingham, BCTGM 364. Thank you so much for joining us and keep us posted as things progress. Thank you very much. Now stick with us, working people. We'll be right back. What's your name? Julie. And how long did you work at Nabisco? 35 years. 35 years. And uh, what are you doing here on the strike line? I am supporting the union members, my brothers and sisters. Awesome. And... What is the main reason do you think that people are on strike today? Because the company is untrustworthy. It's not trustworthy. So what they say they're not following through with, huh? They haven't since they took over in 2012. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sticking with us, working people. We have two former presidents of BCTGM Local 364. Doug Long, thanks for joining us, Doug. Thank you. And John Murphy. Thanks so much for being here, John. Yep, you're welcome. Now, as I said, Doug and Murphy are both former presidents of Local 364, but they have been intimately involved with the strike at Nabisco. That's correct. I went to work for Nabisco in 1968. We had 11 bakeries, all unionized, working across the U.S. Today, we are down to three bakeries. Mondelez just shut down two more bakeries this year, laying off a thousand workers. And we know those jobs went across the border into Mexico because they are flooding all of our stores with the products, especially since our US bakeries are down. Now, all the years that I worked for Nabisco, we had pretty much a good relationship with the company. We had over 600 and some employees, probably more than that when I started. Now they're down to 190 or less employees in the bakery. This is such an automated factory now that they're producing three and four times more than what they used to produce. The profits are through the roof. And so this strike and what they're doing is completely, completely unnecessary they are literally being greedy, trying to take back from the workers more of the profit. 
So this really upsets me. I tell you, it, it, there's, it's just not right of what they're doing. Almost everyone I talk to, what they say is enough is enough. In 2017, they come after and took their pension. They dropped out of the pension. That directly affects every retiree by the thousands out here that are in our retiree fund. They're not going to be paying in, so that takes our uh, pension further into the red. This was bad enough. At that time, almost 100 employees actually left the bakery. The workers are paying enough is enough. They are not going to let this company charge more for health care for the new hires coming in. That we refer to as selling your young. I was talking to one of the new hires. He's only been there a year and a half. And he said, I belong to other unions. But the bakers, he said, they're fighters. I am so proud that I'm part of this. And I'll come out and fight. Because it's just wrong what this company is doing. So, Doug, what is the main issue in the strike? Is it just about pay? This is not for pay. I seen in the news there, they they had it that that was for pay and working conditions. No, it's not for pay. I've never heard one person out there say, we're out here striking for pay. It is the fact that they're trying to take their overtime away from them. Change what the American standard of an eight-hour workday. You get overtime after eight hours, and you get up overtime on the weekend. That's a prohibition against overworking the people. You know, during the pandemic, these people worked up to 45 days, sometimes 50 days. They put in massive amounts of overtime for this company. The profits almost doubled. And this is how they repay their employees by trying to take their overtime. I know it can be really hard out there on the picket line. What's the mood like? The mood, I am so proud of the people out there sitting and walking that picket line. We've been intimidated by the Huffmaster security guards that they've hired. There must be 25 of them that sit by all the gates and guard the gates. They are now bringing in uh, scabs across the picket line in buses and vans. And when they come across, the guards come running out, sometimes six and eight of them, to push the picketers out of the way. And we've had the battles. I was right out in the railroad where we had all the Huffmaster people out 20 of them trying to push the picketers off the picket line. Every day this goes on, it gets uh, more tense. Murphy, you have also been out on the picket line, right? Yes, I've been out there several times. Uh, the mood seems to be pretty decent, especially when like the jobs and justice people show up. Or the other day we had the uh, Portland Thorn soccer team out there with us. I understand there's been a lot of community support for this strike. The neighborhoods are coming together and the support on the picket line uh, out there from the people going by, you can't believe the amount of help and support and waves and people bringing food and everything in. Even the restaurants supplying food to the people. It's not only the community, it's the unions that are showing up. We've had uh, nurses from over here in Vancouver stop by one morning and brought us water and burritos and we've had unions from as far as seattle we had a shop steward came down to find out what was going on we talked to her she got a hold of their uh, stewards group and the e-board up in seattle and they 
gave us $6,000 worth of food carts. It's just, it's amazing. And most of them that have stopped by thank us for taking them on because they have the same issues we do. The one thing that I'm so adamant about is getting the word out to the American people to leave that product on the shelf. That product out there on the shelf is coming in from Mexico. Hopefully, this strike may be ending if a contract is out there and they drop their demands and the people take it. But if not, we're going to continue to fight, and I will continue to be out there on that picket line every day supporting them. Now, John, you didn't used to work at Nabisco like Doug. You used to work at Frito-Lay. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I worked there 45 years. And BCTGM recently had a big strike against Frito-Lay as well. What's going on, do you think, that BCTGM is standing up against these big corporations? I just think people are getting sick of take it away, take it away, take it away. And it's finally got to a point where we're just not going to let them take it away anymore. Some of our large employers are really decent and we don't have any issues. It's just when they start trying to say, uh, well, I'll give you an example. During the negotiations, one of the things Nabisco negotiators said is, you guys make too much money. Look at all the fancy cars you have out in the parking lot. You know, and these are guys that are making forty, fifty thousand dollars more than that, actually. Plant managers are making huge amounts of money and they're telling us we're making too much money. Now, both of you are retirees. And Doug mentioned that Nabisco taking away the pension really impacted retirees. But can you give the audience an idea of what that means. I know a lot of people out there, they've never had what they call a defined benefits pension, right? When a company like Nabisco decides to take away the pension, what does that do to the people who are already retired? Scares the hell out of them because they don't know if we're going to have enough people paid into the pension to keep their level up and to even have enough money to pay their pensions. For our listeners who may not know what a defined benefit pension is, it means that the members pay into this benefit. They get a certain amount put in every hour that they work. And so this is money that the members had actually put in to save for their futures. And it depends on how many hours and how long of service or how many years of service you've worked. That will depend on how much you get on a weekly every two-week or monthly basis, depending on what your defined benefit is. So you actually will get a paycheck for the rest of your life based on your defined benefit and the amount of time you've put into that company. So it's basically thanking you and giving you respect as you retire for all of the years of service Because when you keep employees, they actually care about what they do. They provide for their families. And hopefully in the meantime, when they get to their retirement age, they'll be taken care of for all of the hard work that they've done. Doug, you mentioned that the pension went in the red. What does that mean exactly? When it goes into the red, the pension fund no longer has the funds to meet the obligation of the retirees 
for their lifespan, that it will run out before they uh, pass away. And when that happens, their pension will be cut. And the pension guarantee of the government is a formula which only will pay uh, right around 50% or maybe less of their pension to pick it up. Now, what is a beautiful thing, and there again, it was Joe Biden and this COVID stimulus that went out, they were able to pass through low-cost loans to the pension funds that they can now make their obligation to the pensioners for the multi-employer pension. If that had not happened, we would definitely be in trouble, all of us, thousands of us out here. Many people, even the pensioners, don't realize that that's what occurred to save our pension because uh, we had hostess go down, they didn't pay in for years, took our pension fund way down. And then of course, Nabisco, with the thousands of workers there dropping out, that put it even further into the red. With Med, uh, we only had a few years that they could meet that obligation. So Nabisco dropping out was definitely, definitely a huge blow and it scared a lot of people that our pension was not gonna be there for us. So, Doug, you mentioned that there might be a contract. Now, we're recording this on September 15th, and since the time that we recorded the last segment with Michael and Jesus, there's been some changes. Is that right? I understand there have been changes that they may have an agreement. Not sure what it is yet. We'll have to wait. It will be uh, presented tomorrow to the members then the ballots will be taken back and joined with the ballots from all the other plants. And I think they are doing that so all the votes will be mixed up so they cannot come after if Portland turns this down and focus on Portland because they turned this down or one of the other bakeries. They're going to join them all together since we're all on strike, we're all in the same union, and it will be a national vote. We probably won't know till, uh, I believe, maybe Saturday how this vote goes. That timing is perfect because we're planning on posting this episode on Saturday. So as you're listening to this, folks, keep an eye on the news and think about the stories that you've heard from Mike and Jesus and Doug and John. Watch what comes out of this. Depending on how this vote goes, this strike may go on. Yes, possible that it will. Just because we have a tentative settlement doesn't mean that's what's going to get voted in. Ultimately, it is voted by the members. The members decide if they accept that contract. And if they decide not to take that contract, then the union's going to go back and fight them again for what those members want. So just remember, members are the union. And the union is the members. Well, Doug Long, John Murphy, thank you so much for being here with us. And we're really interested to find out what the result of that vote is. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak out with our voice of what's going on with this company. And uh, John and I both hope that it's a good offer from the company and we can get our people back in that plant producing the snacks that everybody likes in the U.S., and the last thing I'd like to say, and hopefully I'll put it out there, still, for the American people, 
check the label by the U.S. products. Amen to that, brother. Doug Murphy, thank you so much. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And you know, Harold, at the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, we believe all working people should be treated with dignity and respect in the workplace. And that even includes you. And that's why this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. That's one of the best things about being in a union, folks. You know when you go into a job that you're going to be treated fairly. My union contract makes sure of that. And not only that, my boss isn't going to tell me to my face, I make too much money. Never. I won't say it behind your back either, brother. You do a great job and you deserve everything you get. See, that's how a supervisor is supposed to talk to someone working for them. Remember, working people. This is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And I know I say this at the end of every podcast, but I really mean it this time. Don't forget to subscribe. Pass it to your friends, family, coworkers, and even your acquaintances. And while you're at it, give us five stars or put the cookie dough on the conveyor belt or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. What you've heard in this show is what we mean when we talk about solidarity. Listening to people like Mike and Jesus and Doug and Murphy talking about taking care of the other workers who are part of their union, not necessarily looking out for themselves, but looking out for the new people who are coming up, the people who don't have a pension anymore. That's an example of what we call solidarity. It's what all of us should expect in our workplace. It's what all of us should expect from our fellow workers. And it's the bedrock of the labor movement. And I just want to give a shout out to all of our brothers, sisters, and siblings of the Bakers Union, not only in Portland, not only in the nation, but worldwide. We are so proud of you. We have your back. And as we always say here on the show, you are not alone and you never will be. Like Jesus said, there are bakers in Mexico, Venezuela, Argentina. They're all watching what happens right here in our region. And who's to say what's going to happen in their region once this all comes to a close? So remember, what happens in your workplace, what you do with your fellow workers, ripples out. And another thing I would like to say is that we are fighting for all of us to rise up. And that is why the unions fight the way we do. Why should we race to the bottom? Why should companies have control and move their plants to another country so that they can then take advantage of those workers? We're not just fighting to keep the jobs here. We are fighting to raise 
all people up within the Mondelez and Nabisco family. Raise them up. Support this strike. Check the label. Make sure that the snacks at your local store aren't made in Mexico. And if they are, leave them on the shelf. No contracts, no snacks. We'll see you soon. <laughs> that even rhymes, Harold. Bye. I can't take any credit for it. It was Danny DeVito. No! Oh! Well, it was still good.